This is a recording of Where Did the Names Mahaway and Mahuja Come From? A response to Colby Townsend's Returning to the Sources, Part 2 of 2, by Jeffrey M. Bradshaw, Matthew L. Bowen, and Ryan Dolly. Read by Jeffrey M. Bradshaw. Abstract. In the present article, Part 2 of 2 of a set of articles supporting Colby Townsend's efforts to raise awareness of the importance of textual criticism, we focus on his argument that Joseph Smith created the Book of Moses names, Mahaja and Mahuja, after seeing a table of name variants in the Hebrew text of Genesis 4.18 in a Bible commentary written by Adam Clark. While we are not averse in principle to the general possibility that Joseph Smith may have relied on study aids as part of his translation of the Bible, we discuss why in this case such a conjecture raises more questions than it answers. We argue that a common ancient source for Mahuja and Mahaja in the Book of Moses, and similar names in the Bible, and ancient Dead Sea Scrolls Enoch text named Book of the Giants, cannot be ruled out. More broadly, we reiterate and expand upon arguments that have been made elsewhere that the short and fragmentary Book of Giants, a work not discovered until 1948, contains much more dense and generally more pertinent resemblances to Moses 6-7 than the much longer First Enoch, the only ancient Enoch text outside the Bible that was published and translated into English in Joseph Smith's lifetime. In a recent article, Colby Townsend commendably pointed the attention of readers to the importance of embracing textual criticism as a key element of methodology for studying Latter-day Saint documents. He rightfully argues that if important textual sources are missing, mistranscribed, or misunderstood, no amount of subsequent analysis can fully compensate for what may have been lost in mishandling of this essential prerequisite. Although Townsend's examples range over several topics in Latter-day Saint history and scripture, our response focuses specifically on topics relevant to the Book of Moses. In Part 1, we discuss topics related to the state of the art with respect to textual criticism of the Book of Moses, along with some illustrative examples. In part this, part two, we discuss material provided by Townsend in his article and in subsequent clarifying discussions with him that relate to a small set of rare personal names that are found in what seem to be variant forms within the Book of Giants, the Book of Moses, and the Bible. We will structure the present article around two questions. One, where does the Qumran Book of Giants name Mahaway come from? Two, where do the Book of Moses names Mahuja and Mahaija come from? In section 3, we build on the answers to the questions above to address the third question. Could the Book of Moses names and the Book of Giants names have had a common origin in the ancient world? Following a thought experiment that examines the relative similarity of the Book of Moses names to closely corresponding counterparts in Genesis 4.18 in the Book of Giants, we reflect more generally on the significance of the remarkable resemblances between the ancient Book of Giants and the Book of Moses, a book of modern scripture. 1. Where does the Book of Giants name Mahaway come from? We begin our discussion of this question with a summary of Townsend's views on the origin of the Book of Giants names Mahaway. Adopting suggestions from the current scholarship on the issue, he concludes that the name is related to the Aramaic verb to be. We will show why these suggestions are not as likely as they may seem at first glance. Townsend, Mahaway is creative wordplay, not related to similar names in the Book of Moses. Though Townsend's article gives no specific details about the origins of the Book of Giants name Mahaway, 
he very clearly outlines his view that the names in the Book of Giants tradition and the Book of Moses tradition, quote, are not the same, contra Nibley's argument, end of quote. He continues his explanation as follows, quote, The triliteral roots for both names are in fact different, making the two different names altogether. The fact that there is a letter difference between a he and a he moves us from one etymological study and meaning of the name to another name entirely. Mahuja and Mahaja, which are the same name, come from the, a root meaning destroyed or smitten, and Mahaway comes from the root to be, to happen, to occur, and to come to pass. These are two completely separate names that are easily confused when transliterated into English from Hebrew. Nibley relied too heavily on his English transcription of both names and failed to recognize that the He represents two different distinct letters. End of quote from Townsend. We agree with the conclusion of Townsend that differences in spelling and ancient names such as those he describes imply more than a change in pronunciation since the different spellings have different meanings. However, we think that he overstates current evidence when he concludes without qualification that the Book of Moses names Mahaja and Mahuja are necessarily identical, that they are forcibly spelled with a chet rather than a he, and that they cannot be related to the Book of Giants name Mahaway. We discuss later below the reasons for our doubts about the certainty of these conclusions. First, however, we summarize the proposals of some prominent Enoch scholars on the origins of the Book of Giants name Mahaway. Some aspects of their proposals agree with the general spirit of the views expressed in Townsend's article, and some do not. The first individual known to have advanced a hypothesis on the origin of the Book of Giants named Mahaway was the eminent Enoch scholar Josef T. Millick, who, with the collaboration of Matthew Black, published the first English translation of the Book of Giants in 1976. Millick's brief suggestions are similar to Townsend's description above about the derivation of the name Mahaway. Speaking more broadly about the names of the three Book of Giants characters, Haya, Oya, and Mahaway, Millet concluded that these three names, comparable to Yahweh, are causative forms of to be. Thanks to Townsend, we are also made aware of a statement by another well-known Enoch scholar, George Nicholsberg, who later cited Millet's suggestion about the relationship of these three names, adding his name, view that they are, quote, evident plays on the Tetragrammaton, in other words, Yahweh, the four-letter name of the Lord. The angelic rebellion is exacerbated through blasphemy, end of quote from Nicholsburg. From what we've been able to discover, later scholarship has not taken up the gauntlet to pursue the suggestions of Millick and Nicholsburg about the name Mahaway with more thorough analysis. Lauren T. Stuckenbrook, a well-known Book of Giants scholar today, simply repeated the previous suggestion of Millick and Nicholsburg with a slight variation, concluding somewhat laconically that in the case of Mahaway, quote, perhaps some derivation from the Aramaic verb to be in conjunction with the main prefix is not impossible, end of quote. In this he differed somewhat from Townsend, who wrote in his article that Mahaway, quote, comes from the Hebrew root. With respect to that difference from Stukenbrook, Townsend informed us later in a personal communication that he now believes that Mahaway is related to the Aramaic verb rather than to the Hebrew root, as was originally stated in Townsend's article. After Stukenbrook made the brief conjecture above, he immediately went on to another subject. Unfortunately, the comments of all three scholars mentioned are brief, and so far as we've been able to find out, none supports their hypothesis with more precision than what is given above. 
Until we learn that this subject has received more than a cursory analysis, we will have to make our own educated guesses as to the possibilities of specific linguistic forms these scholars may have had in mind when they made their suggestions. In addition to what is mentioned above, some additional perspectives from these scholars bear discussion. Importantly, while they agree with Townsend in their suggestion that Mahaway might be related to the Aramaic verb to be, Stukenberg and Millick differ with Townsend's proposal in some important respects. In contrast to Townsend's unqualified assertion that Mahaway derives from the Aramaic verb to be, Stukenberg is quite tentative in his suggestions. Note that his statement on the matter cited above uses used the cautious words perhaps and not impossible. Moreover, in a summary qualification relating to his proposal, he conceded that the name Mahaway, quote, is impossible to decipher with any confidence, end of quote. Millick disagrees with another aspect of Townsend's proposal, namely the general assertion that versions of the name spelled with hey and versions spelled with hate aren't necessarily completely separate. While accepting the fact that the Book of Giants name Mahaway and the biblical name Mahue are spelled differently and in their source text, Millick sees no difficulty in a possible historical relationship between the names. In Millick's English translation of the Book of Giants, he wrote, without further elaboration, that the name Mahaway was, quote, perhaps transformed, Genesis 4.18, into Muhujael, son of Yered, end of quote. Given Millick's suggestion and the additional evidence that we present below, it is certainly not a given that Hugh Nibley was mistaken in his conjecture that the names Muhujael and Mahaway are related. Nibley certainly knew the difference between a chet and a he. In contrast to Nicholsburg's proposal that Haya, Oya, and Mahaway, quote, are evident plays on the tetragrammaton, Yahweh, the four-letter name of the Lord, it is significant that Stukenbruch cited the possibility of wordplay on the tetragrammaton only in connection with Oya and Haya, not Mahaway. Later on, we detail our views on why a historical relationship between the name Mahujael in Genesis 4.18 and the name Mahaway in the Book of Giants and the similar names Mahaija and Mahuja in the Book of Moses is plausible. But first, for the benefit of the reader who understandably may be struggling to sort out the orthography of these similarly spelled names in their various Hebrew, Aramaic, and English incarnations, we now digress in order to summarize the topic. Sorting out the ancient and modern spelling of the similar Book of Giants, Book of Moses, and Bible names. We begin by observing that the vowels in the English transliteration of the Book of Giants name Mahaway are at present largely a matter of conjecture, since no vowels appear in the Aramaic text. Compounding the difficulty for non-specialists in recognizing similarities and differences in the spellings of ancient names is the fact that translators differ in their English transliteration. For example, the English letters J, Y, and I are variously used to represent the Semitic letter Yod. Thus, in English translations of the Book of Giants, we see several variants of the same name, Mahaway, with the Y on the end, the most common, Mahaway with an I on the end, Mahwe with an A missing in the middle, and Mahui, or with the Y translated with a J as frequently done with other names containing a Yod in the King James Bible, Mahuj. Regarding Mahuja and Mahaija from the Book of Moses, we have English versions of the names containing vowels, but it is impossible to tell from the English text alone whether the second consonant in the names would have been written anciently as the equivalent of a He, as in the Book of Giants, or a Het as in Genesis 4.18. In other words, if we assume an ancient equivalent of the English name Mahaija, it could have been written either as Mah Mahaija 
or Mahaja. Likewise, Mahuja could have been written uh, either way. With respect to the similar King James Bible name Mahujal, twice mentioned in Genesis 4.18, the underlying Hebrew is spelled differently in each instance. In other words, though the name is spelled the same way in both times in English, Mahujael, in Hebrew it is spelled once as Mahujael and once as Mahijael. Notably, on the one hand, the Book of Moses names resemble the two Hebrew versions of the name in Genesis 4.18, in that both a U and an I variant of the same name exists. However, on the other hand, the Book of Moses names are also similar to the Book of Giants name, in that they omit the, with the Genesis 4.18 ending of L. As in every language, the form and spellings of the names change over time and as they pass from one culture to another. In the next section, we argue that, contrary to the arguments in Townsend's article, and despite a significant difference in one consonant, he versus he, there is currently no compelling reason why the Book of Giants name Mahawai could not have been related at some point in its history to the King James Bible name elements Mahuja and to the Book of Moses name Mahuja and Mahaija. Continuing our discussion of the origin of the name Mahaway, we now raise three specific questions about Townsend's proposals. Why is it difficult to rule out a historical relationship between the Book of Giants and biblical names? Our response to this question attempts to flesh out one possible rationale for Millick's unelaborated suggestion that the name Mahaway could have been transformed, Genesis 4.18, into Muhujael, son of Yareth. What linguistic considerations make it unlikely that Mahawai is involved in wordplay with Oya and Haya? We differ with Millick's proposal that all three names are comparable to Yahweh and are causative forms of, of to be, and also with Nickelberg's suggestion that the three names are evident plays of the Tetragrammaton. Instead, in light of linguistic considerations, we side with Stukenberg, who cited the possibility of wordplay on the, to the, on the Tetragrammaton only in connection with two of the names, Oya and Haya, not Mahuja. The lack of evidence for wordplay on the name Mahawe leaves the reader bereft of a rationale for why the author of the Book of Giants would have invented this name from scratch, rather than adopting an already known name from earlier traditions, as he did in the case of other characters, such as Gilgamesh. Finally, what literary considerations make it unlikely that Mahawe is involved in wordplay with Oya and Haya? In our discussion of this question, we agree with Stukenbrook, who wrote, quote, Oya and Haya may be treated together, as they are referred to as prominent giant brothers, end of quote. In our response to the question, we describe several reasons based on literary considerations why the name and character Mahaway, the son of Barakel, should be treated separately from Oya and Haya, the twin sons of Shemichasa. After addressing the image issues raised by these questions, and while acknowledging Stukenbrook's conclusion that the name Mahaway is impossible to decipher with any confidence, we propose what we see as a few of the perhaps many plausible alternative explanations for the origin of the name Mahaway that are consistent with her overall analysis. Why is it difficult to rule out a historical relationship between the Book of Giants and biblical names? The evidence we present below suggests that we are not obliged to rule out some kind of relationship between the biblical name element, Mahuja, and the Book of Giants, Mahawe, because of a difference in spelling, He, He versus He. Though Townsend recognizes that these two completely separate names are easily confused when transliterated into English from the Hebrew, end of quote, 
He never addresses the possibility that it would have also been easier for a similar confusion to have arisen in the work of one or more ancient authors and tradents. For example, Qumran Hebrew expert Eric Raymond has demonstrated that the confusion of He and Chet at Qumran goes in both directions, citing, quote, examples of He written as etymological Chet and vice versa, end of quote. Describing how such confusions could have occurred anciently as scribes copied text, David Calibro noted that, quote, the Hebrew letters He and Chet are easily mixed up since they look very similar, especially as we read them in Hebrew hands from the period of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Since Townsend accepts the mix-up of the Hebrew letters Va and Yod in Genesis 4.18, he has no reason not to accept the possible mix-up of He and Chet in the Biblical and Book of Giants names. Indeed, mix-up of He and Chet of the sort noted by Calibro are not merely conjectural, but are amply demonstrated as realities that present challenges in the work of modern Dead Sea Scrolls experts. For example, as one justification for the alternate reading of 4Q530, an important source manuscript for the Book of Giants, Daniel Machiela and Andrew Perron recognize that, 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 quote, the letters He and Chet are at times quite similar in this scribe's handwriting, end of quote. Indeed, to take an example that is directly relevant to the names under discussion, we observe that, the differences, that differences between scholars about whether the 4Q530 scribe, scribe wrote a He or Chet have resulted in divergent opinions about whether the name Mahwe appears or not in Fragment 7, Column 2, Line 7. In 1976, Millick read the Hebrew term in question as, uh, and translated it as here from you a second time, end of quote. However, Emil Puch, more recently transcription, reads the term uh, resulting differently, resulting in Edward Cook's translation of Line 7 as hither and thither a second time, to Mahaway, end of quote. Of course, our point here is not to take out stand on which reading in this passage in 4Q530 is correct, but rather to demonstrate that such confusions of He and Chet that affect transcriptions and translations today could have easily occurred in ancient times. Another line of evidence based on pronunciation also confirms the possibility of confusion between the two letters. Note that the Semitic letter Chet was pronounced anciently as a pharyngeal fricative, while the letter He was more was pronounced more like the H in English. In addition to evidence of confusion based on transcription errors, it is possible that tendencies in local pronunciation, in other words, weakening of gutturals, in Qumran may have also contributed to spellings which Chet was confused for He. For example, Raymond cites Kutcher, who concluded that at Qumran, quote, the Chet was apparently pronounced very nearly like a He, end of quote. Moreover, Raymond observes that visual and oral sources of error are not mutually exclusive, concluding that, quote, although the cited examples may reflect hate's weakening, must one must recognize that all such mistakes may not reflect oral mistakes, but rather visual gaffes, the two letters being so similar in shape, end of quote. In summary, despite spelling differences between the name element in Genesis 4.18, and the name Mahaway in the Book of Giants in their extant forms, evidence relating to the possibility of transcription errors, as well as the related tendencies at Qumran to weaken pronunciation of the guttural, leads us to a plausible alternative to Townsend's suggestions that Mahaway was deliberately invented from scratch for the purposes of wordplay by the Book of Giants author. The well-established fact of ancient and modern confusions of He and Chet opens up the possibility, discussed in more detail later below, that the similar but different names in the Bible and the Book of Giants may derive from a common name 
that predated both texts. This line of reasoning also opens up the possibility that the Book of Moses names, Mahuja and Mahija, are related to the names in the Bible and or the Book of Giants in similar fashion, as also will be argued later on. What linguistic considerations make it unlikely that Mahaway is involved in wordplay with Oya and Haya? At the outset of our response to this question, we would like it to be understood that the connection between the names Oya, Haya, and the Tetragrammaton, suggested by Millick, Nicholsburg, and Townsend, seem plausible enough to us at first blush. In other words, we do not disagree up front with the straightforward argument that Oya and Haya created aural plays or echoes on the Hebrew verb to be. However, any effort to posit a link between these two names and that of Mahaway by this conjecture would in addition have to explain why, if all three names were indeed invented by the Book of Giants author for wordplay, Oya and Haya would be related to a Hebrew version of the verb, verb, while Mahaway would be related to an Aramaic one. In addition, we are not averse to the idea that Oya and Haya may indeed be plays on or echoes of the Tetragrammaton and may point to, quote, angelic rebellion exacerbated through blasphemy, as Millikan Nicholsburg first conjectured, though we note that these claims demand a more precise analysis of the grammar and form of the names. Following Millick and Nicholsburg, Stukenbrook also suggested the possibility that wordplay using Oha, Oya, and Haya might involve the Hebrew word to be, though, like them, he refrained from positing any specific grammatical forms or meanings for these names. In his brief discussion, Stukenberg suggested theophoric Ya names as an alternative explanation for Oya and Haya. Of course, if he is correct in this suggestion, it would apply only to Oya and Haya, not Mahaway. While conceding that the, quote, the matter remains uncertain, end of quote, Stukenberg sees at least one reason to favor this latter explanation, theophoric Ya, over the idea of wordplay on the Hebrew verb to be. He wrote, quote, If there is any analogy with many of the names of the watchers that for example, carry L suffixes, the name of God, then there is reason to prefer the theophoric Ya explanation, end of quote. Taken together, the foregoing evidence warrants strong caution against attempting to say anything about the names Oya and Haya with certainty from a linguistic perspective, especially in light of the absence of precise and convincing grammatical explanations for these names. While still conceding the possibility of wordplay for Oya and Haya, we find the grammatical case much weaker for Mahaway. Why is this so? Overwhelmingly, names in the ancient Near East and in ancient Israel follow rules of name formation. Though it is true that the name Mahaway might putatively match a participial aphophone form of the Aramaic uh, uh, verb to be, there is a paucity of attended forms in the relevant literature. Stukenbrook is even more diffident, suggesting, quote, that the meaning of the name Mahaway is impossible to decipher with any confidence, end of quote, speculatively only offering that, quote, perhaps the name includes a derivation from the Aramaic verb to be in conjunction with the name prefix, end of quote. In other words, he doesn't commit to a nominal or participial verb verbal form. <clears throat> One might venture with Jeffrey L. Cooley that, quote, Perhaps the three names, Oya, Haya, and Mahaway, are deliberate corruptions of the Tetragrammaton or even playing on Yahweh's self-identification to Moses in Exodus 3.14, in which the verb is used in the first person imperfect three times, end of quote. But even in so venturing, Cooley concedes that, quote, this proposal is, of course, highly speculative, end of quote. 
And as observed above, the fact that Oyan Haya would be related to a Hebrew version of the verb, while Mahawe would be related to an Aramaic one, remains unexplained. <clears throat> the absence of viable grammatical proposals for Mahawe, as for the other names, is telling, and ultimately renders any connection of Mahawe with the Aramaic verb for to be, let alone wordplay involving the tetragrammaton and other giant names, a matter of speculation. Leaving aside the unsupported idea that Mahawe was invented from scratch for the purposes of wordplay, a direct dependence of Mahawe on Mahujel is also doubtful. Sometimes names are shortened, and theophoric elements are removed from the ends of the names, but much more rarely are root letters deliberately changed. Apart from deliberate scribal dysphemisms, such as Meribal to Meribosheth, we think it would be very difficult to find examples of both types of deliberate changes in a single name, especially for discernible literary purposes. As argued above, the clear ad hoc character of the names Oya and Haya strikes a stark contrast with the different character of Mahawe's name. Having established the doubtful basis of any suggestion that Mahawe is involved in wordplay with these characters based on linguistic arguments, as well as the alternative suggestion that the name is directly dependent on the Bible, let us now consider the same question from a literary perspective. What literary considerations make it unlikely that Mahawe is involved in wordplay with Oya and Haya? The short answer to this question is that throughout the Book of Giants narrative, Oya and Haya constitute a deliberate and distinctive pair. By itself, the fact that Mahawe stands outside this pairing makes it more difficult to argue that this name has the same literary function. This and related considerations throw additional doubt on the already unlikely argument that the name Mahawe was invented from scratch to facilitate wordplay with Oya and Haya. Throughout the long intertwined history of the two characters corresponding to Oya and Haya, across many different cultures and traditions, they have always been presented as a pair. Indeed, very often as a pair of twins with rhyming names. When described as a single unit, as they so often are, they are variously labeled as demonic twins, angels twain, two youths, and so forth. James Russell gives this selected these selected highlights of the far-flung origins and history of this twosome. Quote, Originally the two are Shemihasa, or Shemihaisai, and Asael, and the former has two sons, Hiya and Hiva. The rhyming names of the latter were chanted, the Talmud notes, by boatmen as they strained at their ropes. The Manichaean version of the Book of Jones, Giants, knows Shemisad, and his sons, Oya and Aya. A Sogdian text equates the former with Sham, and the twin angels are in Persian known as Sham and Nariman. The Avestan epic hero of the Kavis belongs to the Shama clan and is called Narimana, manly-minded. So the Uranizing version of the narrative has equated the fallen angels it would seem with him. In Parthian, the giants themselves are Kavan, Kavis, Later Jewish lore stresses the rhymed character of the twins' names by calling them Asa and Asael. The giants in the earth practicing telling the giants in the earth practice telling lies, and in the apocryphal book of Jubilees, the watchers, who unlike the vigilant angels of the heavenly host are fallen beings, are said to have initiated divination using astrology. So the apocryphal literature of Jews, Christians, and Manichaeans that existed at the dawn of Islam had a pair of fallen angels whose names sometimes rhymed and who lied and invented magic, end of quote. Now let's consider details about the distinctiveness of the Oyahaya prayer 
as they are found specifically in the Book of Giants. After this analysis, it will become evident why, when we try to group Oyahaya and Mahaway as a threesome, Mahaway always seems to be the odd man out, not merely for linguistic considerations discussed in the previous section, but in addition for literary reasons. The table below summarizes some obvious differences between Mahaway and the other characters. First item. Do the names occur elsewhere in the ancient literature pre-Christian era? Oyan Hawa, Haya, no, Mahawai, yes. Explicit wordplay. Rhyming names. Heave, ho, wordplay in Oya and Haya. Mahawai, not an obvious part of the rhyming and punning wordplay. Roll. Oya and Haya are dreamers. Mahawai is a mediator. Relationship with Enoch. No personal acquaintance for Oya and Haya. Mahawai, spoken to very lovingly by Enoch. Father. Oyan Haya's father is Shemichatsa, and Mahawai's father is Barakel. Do the names occur elsewhere in the ancient literature of the pre-Christian era? In contrast to name variants of the Book of Giants characters Mahawai, Gilgamesh, and Humbaba that are scattered in various places, the names Oyan Haya do not occur in the ancient literature of the pre-Christian era except in the Book of Giants itself, suggesting that they are later in origin than the others. Moreover, while story characters equivalent to Oyan Haya appear in several derivative medieval Jewish and Islamic accounts of the two dreamers, characters with names relating to Mahaweh, Gilgamesh, and Humbaba go conspicuously unmentioned in these late accounts. This fact highlights the virtual inseparability of Oyan Haya, as well as their literary independence from Mahaweh, Gilgamesh, and Humbaba. In a related hint that supports this conclusion, a medieval Enoch account written in Arabic depicts a king named Yamahuel, suggested by Reeves and Reeds as a reference to the biblical Mahujael, who is identified with a group of idolatrous adversaries of Enoch. Thus, while the story contains a name with arguable affinity to Mahaway, a pair of characters corresponding to Oyan Haya does not appear in the tale, again providing some admittedly more limited support for the argument that Oya and Haya are best understood as a literary twosome rather than a trio that includes Mahaway. Explicit wordplay. Mahaway is not an obvious part of the sorts of rhyming and punning wordplay in which Oya and Haya participate in various accounts of their exploits. On the other hand, the traditions of rhyming wordplay in the Book of Giants is so integral to these characters that it continues into late Midrash, where the names of Oya and Haya are given the similarly rhyming names of Hiva and Hiya. Expanding on the explicit rhyming of the names, the Midrash also explicitly connects them to a wordplay on the heave and ho cry of heavy laborers, leading André Caco to go so far as to suggest that their names may have actually originated on these interjections. Remarkably, the rhyming tradition of the twin names is picked up in many languages and cultures in other forms. For example, in the Quran and related Israelic traditions relating to Oya and Haya characters give us Harut and Marut, the rhyming names perhaps having their origins in pre-Christian Armenian words for plants and waters. These names may also relate to the Harvatat and Amaravtat, the rhyming pair among the seven Amesa Spentas, the holy immortals of the Avesta. And, continues James Russells, at the proverbial world's end skulk the giants of biblical apocalyptic myth Gog and Magog, known to Armenians also by their Arabicized forms Yajuj and Majuj, from which Armenian Joj, giant, may derive. 
role. While Mahawe primarily plays the role of a serious-minded message-bringing mediator, Oya and Haya are depicted as ineffectual quarrelers, dreamers, and warriors, doppelgangers affected with nap nagging doppeltraums. In their appointed role, they seem almost to be sketched with the pen of a skilled caricaturist who has introduced a measure of comic relief that both pervades the larger narrative and persists in the very details of their Tweedledum Tweedledee-like names. Like Hergé's Dupont and Dupont, part of the silliness of the two brothers is in the paradoxical fact that, quote, their most singular quality is what is common to them, end of quote, most obvious in the style of their tellings of their two complementary dreams. Relationship with Enoch Ironically, the physically powerful Oyan Haya are uncharacteristically shy when it comes to posing questions to Enoch. On the other hand, Mahawe is de depicted in the world of giant in the Book of Giants as someone who moves easily between the world of the Gibberim and the world of Enoch, having met personally with the prophet on at least two occasions. Thus Mahawe, to whom Enoch himself had once called out very lovingly, seems to have had a different and unique relationship to the prophet, and by way of contrast to Oya and Haya, is otherwise portrayed quite sympathetically to the book of Gi in the Book of Giants overall. As Jens Wilkins observed, quote, one is tempted to postulate an emotional relationship between Mahawe and Enoch. The former, obviously, is not as corrupted as his fellows. End of quote. There is a hint of pathos in an ancient passage that seems to highlight the contrast between the violent slaughter of Enoch's adversaries en masse to the more singular and personal description of the dramatic death of the prominent Mahawe by the supreme head of the angelic host. Quote, the great angel has slain, slain that messenger whom they had. End of quote. Father. While a single father, Shemichatsa, sired the twin brothers, Mahawe describes himself as the son of Barakel. The idea that Shemichatsa's name was associated with the name of a god, perhaps adding support for Stukenberg's proposal of a theophoric yaw termination in the names of his sons, Oya and Haya, is suggested by Michael Michel Langlois, who interprets the name as Shem Sees, in other words, the name Sees, where the name refers to God. Here we conclude our, ex our examination of Townsend's proposal for the origin of the Book of Giants' names, Mahawe. In the first place, we have discovered no conclusive reason why the Mahujael of Genesis and the Mahawe of the Book of Giants could not have had a common origin in an ancient name that predated both books. Secondly, we presented both linguistic and literary reasons that make it unlikely that Mahawe was involved in wordplay with the names Oya and Haya, thus, in our view, significantly weakening the plausibility of the only rationale offered for the theory that Mahawe was a deliberate, de novo literary creation. Abandoning further discussion of this seemingly unlikely option, we now sketch out what we see as a more satisfactory explanation for the name Mahawe. Is there a more satisfactory explanation for the Book of Giants name Mahawe? Is it possible that the name Mahawe, rather than being created ad hoc by the author of the Book of Giants, instead had its origins in an already existent name, retained in the same or similar form that came down to the author from a tradition independent of the Bible? There is a precedent for this scenario in the author's use of the equally distinctive name of Gilgamesh, a character whose literary history is known to have pre-existed the Book of Giants. Could the same have been true for Mahawe? In this sec section, we suggest reasons why it would be difficult to rule out this explanation. Our discussion of some plausible origins for the name Mahawai that may have predated the Book of Giants will rest on an examination of three questions. One, was the Book of Giants primarily derived from the Bible and First Enoch? 
2. What evidence exists for threads from ancient Mesopotamia in the Book of Giants? And 3. Might the history of the Book of Giants named Mahaway trace back to Mesopotamia? Was the Book of Giants primarily derived from the Bible in First Enoch? While simple theory for the origin of the Book of Giants might consider it merely as a rewritten Bible with some dependence on First Enoch, biblical scholarship is increasingly given way to methods that require, as John Rees and Annette Yoshiko Reed describe, quote, a shift away from the older scholarly obsession with origins, whereby the study of scriptures often focused on the recovery of hypothetical sources behind them, end of quote. With specific respect to the sources of the Qumran Library, André Lemaire observes that accept, accepted texts as we think of them today simply did not exist at the time the scrolls were copied. Quote, Since we live more than 2,000 years after the Qumran manuscripts were copied, we may be tempted as modern readers to recognize a direct link with the books of the Bible. Such a conclusion seems obvious from the titles given to certain manuscripts. However, these titles may give the false impression that the Aramaic manuscripts of Qumran were centered on the Bible and dependent on it, even though the Bible itself did not yet exist. A bibliocentric version of this sort appears anachronistic. End of quote. Going further, John Reeves explains, quote, The Bible and Quran are magnetized nodes within a common text network that share a lexicon of ancestral heroes, places, and narrativized events, a lexicon not limited by the constraints of canon or its lamata, governed by the tyranny of canonical assumptions. Within this lexicon resides a rich reservoir of revered tales, ancestral folklore, and the tribal traditions about pre-deluge era that antedate their varying literary presentations in works such as the many redacted forms of Genesis, the Enochic Book of Watchers, renditions of the Second Temple Book of Jubilees, and so-called rewritten components of the biblical primeval history, Genesis 1-11. through Therein also resides the cultural memory and perhaps even physical exemplars of the written sources and editorial moves that preceded the later formal crystallization of discrete textual entities such as the Proto-Masoretic Genesis or Jubilees. End of quote. The skepticism of scholars such as Reeves, Reed, and Lemaire about characterizing works such as the Book of Giants as part of a rewritten Bible further extends to doubts about it being a rewritten First Enoch. In addition to the considerations raised above, it should be remembered that the Book of Giants was very popular at Qumran, more popular than First Enoch itself. More significantly, the Book of Giants is arguably the oldest extant Enoch manuscript, and therefore, according to Nicholsburg, essential in reconstructing the literary shapes of the early stages of the Enochic tradition. End of quote. For these reasons and more, the Book of Giants is a document that should, quote, be taken seriously in its own right, end of quote, rather than being seen as merely as an intriguingly anomalous yet insignificant afterclap of First Enoch. In summary, Stukenbruch describes three factors that make the Book of Giants distinctive from contemporary Jewish works. One, whereas the other Enochic compositions are pseudepigrapha in the technical sense, the Book of Giants seems not to have been a first-person account attributed to Enoch himself, contramilic. In the Book of Giants, Enoch is never clearly portrayed as a first-person narrator, and furthermore, none of the Book of Giants materials unambiguously cast Enoch in the role of being the recipient of visions or dreams. Two, secondly, the Book of Giants distinguishes itself in the role assigned to Enoch. 
As just mentioned, he's not the recipient of dreams. Instead, he functions in the narrative as a dream interpreter par excellence, as he clarifies the meaning of the ominous visions given to the giants. 3. Thirdly, and most significantly, the authors of the Book of Giants cast the spotlight on the gigantic offspring of the Watchers more than any other extant Jewish document written or copied during the Second Temple period. It is only in the Book of Giants that any of the giants are actually given proper names. End of quote. Notwithstanding the unique nature of the narrative and the unrivaled prominence and antiquity of the Book of Giants at Qumran, the first reflex of some scholars is to attribute any resemblances to First Enoch to borrowing from the latter source. As part of a larger effort to counter such reflexive tendencies, Reeves has demonstrated that with a well-argued example that the tale of Harut and Marut, though sharing some affinities with First Enoch, is actually more dependent in its conceptual foundations on the Book of Jubilees. He's concluded that the relative neglect of Jubilees and scholarly circles, a work that does not necessarily rewrite any of the canonical versions, can be attributed, at least in part, to misconceptions about Jubilees that relegate it, like the Book of Giants, to a secondary derivative status. Quote, Speaking of both conceptual and archaeological, i.e. physical, terms, it seems to be more responsible to view Jubilees as simply one pre-canonical manifestation of the rich pool of subtextual ancestral traditions that also surfaced in related but distinctive forms of the biblical books of Genesis, Exodus, as well as in other places outside those books that utilize many of the same characters, stories, and themes. What evidence exists for threads from ancient Mesopotamia in the Book of Giants? In contrast to the idea that the Book of Giants is primarily dependent on the Bible and First Enoch, Current scholarship sees hints of more ancient and complex roots for the text than were once acknowledged. For example, André Caco, among others, has argued that, quote, the reference to Gilgamesh argues for the original of the Book of Giants in an Eastern diaspora, end of quote. Extending arguments of other scholars that are based on solely on Mesopotamian names in the Book of Giants, Matthew Goff's significant reconstruction of the plot of the Book of Giants demonstrated that the text, quote, creatively appropriates motifs, end of quote, from the Gilgamesh epic. Going further, Joseph Angel has subsequently concluded from his review of the evidence that the composition preserves only the remains of a complex allegory whose original reference cannot be recovered. Other studies specifically suggest that caution should also be exercised in assuming any direct dependence at all of the Book of Giants on First Enoch. Indeed, André Lemaire concludes that it is a bad idea to begin with to try and assimilate the Book of Giants to First Enoch because, quote, these two literary traditions are different and have had a different literary posterity, end of quote. He goes on to explore evidence that bears on specific questions of transmission, gathering new evidence of contact between cuneiform culture and the Jews from additional references in the Book of Giants, such as the descriptions of a tablet or board that parallel the Akkadian word for the same. He also brings in relevant evidence from the prayer of Nabonidus. As another recent example, in a comparison of Ezekiel 1, Daniel 7, 1 Enoch 14 in the Book of Giants, Amanda M. Davis Bledsoe argues that 1 Enoch 14's adoption of the Danielic idea of the de deity shows only that this idea was, quote, accepted even at a late period and does not automatically make 1 Enoch 14 older even if the tradition may be observed in generally more ancient writings, end of quote. More generally, she concluded, quote, that all three of these texts drew from a common traditions regarding the heavenly throne and then adapted it to fit within their individual context, end of quote. 
In other words, according to Bledsoe, Daniel, First Enoch, and the Book of Giants independently draw on common traditions that are older than any of the three texts. Going further, Stukenbrook concludes that the Book of Giants, quote, has preserved the throne theophany in an earlier form than, one, than what one finds in Daniel 7, and that, quote, Daniel's redaction of this tradition was independently shaped by other Enochic traditions found in First Enoch 14 and 90. The conclusions of Bledsoe can be compared to the analogous mention of Noah, Daniel, and Job in Ezekiel 14, 4, 14 and 20. The mention of these individuals in Ezekiel does not make the books of Ezekiel and Job late compositions because Ezekiel mentions Daniel, nor does it make the canonical book of Daniel an early composition because Ezekiel mentions him here. These verses can be cited as evidence that well-established traditions concerning Noah, Daniel, and Job existed during Ezekiel's time, late 7th and 6th centuries BCE. If one accepts Ezekiel's authorship of the passage, there is no convincing reason not to accept such. The important point to be made is that such statements do nothing to help us establish the precise dating of any canonical book of scripture, this on account of the nature of the use and reuse of tradition. Just as Noah, Daniel, and Job traditions were established and venerable enough for Ezekiel to invoke them, so the intertwined texts of the Enochic tradition should be viewed in a similar light. Might the history of the Book of Giants named Mahaway trace back to Mesopotamia? Before examining specific possibilities for the origin of the name Mahaway in Mesopotamia, we should ask, what do we know generally about the source of the names in the Book of Giants? With respect to the twenty fallen archangels, or watchers, that appear in that work and elsewhere, the highlight of Michael Langlois' survey is both the antiquity and diversity of the names. We've seen a glimpse of the diversity of the names of Oya, Haya, and Mahaway, where the first two names appear to be of late origin, while the writs of the third are less clear, but as we argue above, seem to be older. Why is the age and origin of the names important? Because, as is increasingly established by scholars, there are important and several respect unique strands of Mesopotamian influences in the Book of Giants that set it apart from the more well-known First Enoch writings, including likely influences on names. While we have argued this point more generally earlier in the article, we now want to stress its implications by a closer examination of the similarly spelled names in the Bible, the Book of Giants, and the Book of Moses. As with the Book of Giants named Mahaway and the Book of Moses names Mahuja and Mahaija, the etymology of the biblical name Mahujael remains uncertain. As Richard Hess observes, it is generally agreed that Mahujael is composed of two elements, the second of which is El, God, but the first element is generally disputed. We should not rule out the possibility that the name Mahujael is older, perhaps much older than the biblical text of Genesis as we have it today. If one limits one's investigation of Mahujael to possible West Semitic etymologies, West Semitic to smite and a participial verb of to live are the most viable options for the disputed first element. However, limiting to our search to West Semitic etymologies is an unreasonable requirement, since the ultimate origin of Mahujael and Mahaway seems as likely to be East Semitic as West Semitic. For example, although Ronald Hendel narrowly considers only Hebrew onomastics for the name Mahujael, Nahum Sarna and Richard Hess, following Umberto Kasudu, suggest that the name might be explained on the basis of the Akkadian Mahu, denoting a certain class of priests and seers. And what was the role of these seers? 
Among other things, the royal archives of the old Babylonian kingdom of Mari recount the comings and goings of Mahu as intermediaries and messengers, bearing words of warning from the gods for the king, a role that can be compared to that of Mahaway. Further strengthening Kasudo's argument for the derivation of the name is the agreement he finds in the word Mahu behind Mahujael, the name of Mahujael's son Methusael, a name that is analogous not only in form but also in meaning, and the name of Mahujael's grandson Lamech, to which Kasudo seems as likely to have come from the Mesopotamian word Lumahu, also signifying a certain class of priests. Significantly, Hess reports that while the root LMK, Lamech, is unknown in West Semitic, it is found both in 3rd millennium BCE personal names and in names from Mari and Old Babylon in the early 2nd millennium BCE. With respect to Kasudo's analysis and other possible Mesopotamian etymologies for these names, we also note that Methusael may instead constitute a Hebraization of the widely accepted but still as yet theoretically and unattested Akkadian form, Utusaili, man of God. In any case, Mesopotamia seems to be a good place to look in terms of obtaining more precise etymologies for the names in the Genesis genealogies. Since Kasuda opens the door to considering Akkadian Mahu, ecstatic or prophet, is the sort of the first element in Mahujel, we could also consider the word Mahu, great, as a possible source. The latter term derives from the Sumerian Ma, meaning high, exalted, supreme, great, lofty, foremost, sublime. If Kasudo is right that Lamech can be connected to the Akkadian Lumahu, we may be well to note that Lumahu or Lumahu, which can also mean chief ruler, also appears to derive from Sumerian Ma Luhma, great man. This may have some further bearing on the etymology of the Book of Moses named Mahan, spelled Mahan in OT1 of the Jew Joseph Smith translation. In summary, most scholars recognize that the surprise appearance of the names Gilgamesh and Hobabish in the Book of Giants is due to direct and or indirect influences of some kind from the Akkadian Gilgamesh epic. Milik was the first to note this as the first and only mention of Gilgamesh outside the cuneiform literature, as well as to recognize that the name Hobabish derives from Humbaba, the monster slain by Gilgamesh. Matthew Goff, among others, has clarified and amplified the relationship among the old Babylonian epic and the fragmentary Aramaic Enoch text. Since some scholars accept that the root Mahu may sit behind the root name Mahujael, is it possible that Mahaway, and as we argue below, potentially the Book of Moses, Mahujael and Mahaja, was independently derived from the same root, having come down to the author through extra-canonical traditions, rather than invented ad hoc or borrowed and altered from the Bible? We do not see any reason why this plausible scenario should be ruled out. Indeed, in consideration of the totality of the analysis above, we find this explanation more likely than any other. 2. Where do the Book of Moses names Mahuja and Mahaja come from? Townsend, Mahuja, Mahaja as a rewrite of Genesis inspired by reading. Seeing it as, quote, unlikely that Joseph Smith was, quote, dependent on an ancient manuscript or source, end of quote, Townsend proposes that the names Mahuja and Maheja were included in the Book of Moses as the result of one of the two following scenarios. 1. Concluding by analogy to similar situations in the Book of Mormon, that the personal name Maheja in Moses 6.40 is an eponym for the place mentioned in Moses 7.2, he argues that the name Mahuja was mistakenly substituted for Maheja in that verse during the dictation process. In that process, the vowels 
you and I might have been confused, leading to the appearance of both names in later manuscripts and publication, Mahija in Moses 6.40 and Mahuja in Moses 7.2. Arguments for and against this scenario are discussed in Part 1 of the present article, published previously. As an alternative scenario, Townsend proposes that Joseph Smith created the Book of Moses names, Mahija and Mahuja, after seeing a table of name variants in the Hebrew text of Genesis 4.18 in a Bible commentary written by Adam Clark. The table includes an entry containing the two similar names, Mahujael and Mahijael. Because Joseph Smith and his associates lacked the expertise to read and recognize these variants in Hebrew, even in the dubious case that a Hebrew Bible might have been in their possession, Clark's table, or perhaps some equivalent in another English commentary, appears to Townsend to be the only reasonable, purely historical explanation at present, apart from the possibility of scribal error mentioned above, for how they could have knowingly and deliberately inserted both name spellings in the Book of Moses. We now discuss the hypothesis in more detail. In support of Townsend's proposal that Joseph Smith may have borrowed the names Mahujael and Mahijael from Clark's table and altered them afterwards to read Mahuja and Mahija, Townsend cites Thomas Wayman and Haley Lem Wilson Lemon's conclusions that Joseph Smith used Clark's commentary as a translation aid. A table on page 151 of the commentary lists transliterations of the two Hebrew variants, Mahujael and Mahijael, that appear in Genesis 4.18. From this evidence, Townsend concludes, quote, It was possible, contrary to recent opinion, that Smith and his contemporaries were aware of the spelling difference of the name found in Genesis 4. End of quote. Townsend should be commended for identifying this possible textual source, and it seems that there is indeed a possibility that Smith could have incorporated his knowledge of this table in his translation of the Book of Moses. However, a first observation that should be made is that Wayman himself has drawn attention to the fact that, quote, there are no parallels to Clark between Genesis 1 and Genesis 24. End of quote. Townsend's statement above that it was possible, contrary to recent opinion, suggests the possibility that he's prepared to adduce evidence, not cited by Wayman and Wilson Lemon, that supports the presence of parallels between Genesis 1 through 24 and Clark's or other Bible commentaries which Joseph Smith could have known. We have not at present seen evidence of such parallels, so we cannot comment further. Regardless of whether, Joseph, whether or not Joseph Smith utilized a published commentary as a translation aid during the earliest phases of his work on the Bible, what is most lacking in Townsend's argument is that the prophet relied on Clark's table as he translated in the relevant verses in the Book of Moses is a credible rationale for why Joseph Smith would have been motivated to do so. Readers will have to judge for themselves the likelihood that Joseph Smith would have actually had the time, patience, and most importantly, a compelling reason to search through Clark's commentary for two variant names he could use for an obscure twice-mentioned character in his Genesis translation, presumably in order to give it more credibility. It should be remembered that Joseph Smith had no hesitation in previously publishing scores of strange-looking names in the Book of Mormon, for which there was no biblical precedent. As a counterexample to any idea that the prophet was looking for ways to include specific biblical evidences for the Book of Moses additions to the Genesis story, we note that Joseph Smith seems to have been aware that the biblical book of Jude explicitly cites Enoch, though he explicitly evinced no awareness at first Enoch, the source Jude was quoting. If the prophet had in reality been on the lookout for ways to bolster the case for the authenticity of a Bible translation, the most obvious thing he could have done would be to include the relevant verses from Jude somewhere within his Enoch account, but this he did not do. 
As we continue down this line of thinking, questions multiply. Why would it have been important to Joseph Smith to preserve both name variants, rather than normalizing them into a single English spelling in the Book of Moses, as it is almost always done in ancient manuscripts and modern translations of Genesis 4.18? Moreover, if Joseph Smith were aware of Clark's table, why did he not also make changes to the names in his translation of Genesis 4.18? And why do both of Joseph Smith's versions of the names omit the theophoric suffix L? thus differing from the Hebrew text of the Bible, yet, coincidentally, agreeing with the Dead Sea Scrolls equivalent in the Book of Giants. Evidence from Joseph Smith's name translations in Genesis 4:18 and 19 also cast doubt on the idea that he would have been interested in meticulous scrutiny of Tehark's table as spelling variants for two versions of the name Mahujel he could alter and use in his account of Enoch. Within the span of a few lines that contained his rendering of the biblical name Mahujael, we find three examples of variant name spellings for Mahujael, Methusael, and Lamech. The evidence provided by these variants gives the impression that these name spellings were based simply on what the scribes heard Joseph Smith read, rather than on an effort to conform to the Bible or other written documents for consistency. We realize that answers to secondary questions such as these might be formulated with some additional effort. But in our minds, such questions are overshadowed by the lack of satisfactory answers to the central questions about whether, in view of the issues described above, the possibility of Joseph Smith's use of the table was reasonable and likely and was propelled by a convincingly argued motive. In view of the current state of the evidence, we find Clark's table to be an unlikely explanation for the inclusion of the variant names Mahuja and Mahija in the Book of Moses. Could the book of three, could the book of Moses names and the book of giants names have a common origin? At this juncture, we propose a thought experiment of sorts. Let us suppose for some unspecified reason that Joseph Smith was determined to borrow a biblical name to use as a character in his JST Genesis account of Enoch. Let us further suppose that since neither he nor his associates had a copy of the Bible in Hebrew or read Hebrew in 1830, he had two English translations of the Bible he could borrow from. One would be a King James Bible in which the name he was determined to use was spelled Mahujael, M-E-H-U-J-A-E-L, and a second would be a Bible in which the name was spelled Mahaway, M-A-H-A-W-A-Y. Though the example is admittedly absurd, its purpose is to make very plain to the reader that there is no reason, based solely on the most common English translations of both the King James and Book of Giants versions of the name, to prefer the idea that Joseph Smith borrowed and altered the name Mahujael in, quote-unquote, inventing the Book of Moses' names Mahuja and Mahija, over the idea that he borrowed and altered the name Mahaway instead. Of course, we do not believe that the Book of Moses' names were invented by borrowing from and altering names in either of these sources. Six aspects of a possible linguistic connection between Mahuja and Mahaway are First, H. He versus Chet. Townsend's article asserts without qualification that the Hebrew root that sits behind them contains a Chet. However, we observe that there is nothing about the Book of Moses' names themselves that can be used by proponents of their ancient origin to argue directly for a Hebrew Chet behind them, since the English gives us only an indeterminate H. Thus, so far as we can determine without further explanation, the argument advanced by Townsend that Genesis 4.18 and the Book of Moses' names are related can only be indirect, resting solely on the claim that Joseph Smith borrowed them for the Bible in one way or another, presumably from the Genesis 4.18 names of Mahujel and Mahijel. 
a corollary to the assertion that Mahaija and Mahuja must have been derived from Genesis 4.18 is the argument that the Book of Moses' names cannot be related to Mahaway in the Book of Giants. However, when we unpack the argument that a connection between the Book of Moses' names and Mahaway is impossible, it becomes evident that it, too, is forcibly dependent on one's having also previously accepted the borrowing hypothesis and is likewise independent of anything related to the English names as we have them in the Book of Moses. Thus we conclude that the H in the original names behind Mahuja and Mahaija is not constrained to be a chet, like Mahujail, as argued by Townsend, but could have just as easily been a, a he, like Mahawe. On the basis of the he, chet question alone, independent of other arguments, it is as likely that Mahuja Mahaija is related to Mahawe as it is to Mahujail. A or E after the M. English transcriptions of Mahawe and Mahuja Mahaija are similar in that they contain an A after the M, differing from the King James English transcription of the name Mehujael. However, because the spelling of the name in JST 418, Genesis 418, is given both ways, Mahujael and Mahujael, we will not count this as a difference with the Bible. A, I, or U following the He or Chet. Townsend has argued that the U sound in Mahujel and Mahuja also distinguishes the name from the A sound in Mahawe in the Book of Giants, end of quote. But it must be remembered that the Book of Giants fragments have come to us with only consonants, and thus the English transliteration of this name is conjectural. Put simply, we have no idea what the vocalization of Mahawe was. For instance, some translators render it Mahawe, leaving out the vowel following the H entirely. Calibro further explains, quote, the vocalization of Mahwe, while perhaps possible for a pre-Masoretic stage of Hebrew, so possibly valid for the period of the Dead Sea Scrolls, would not work in Masoretic Hebrew. Another possibility is Mahui, with a long U, which would be a Hebrew passive participle form. End of quote. It should be additionally noticed that the original pronunciation of the biblical name Muhujael was similarly uncertain, as evident in the variety of spellings attested in the, in the ancient witnesses, such as Greek, Mael, Latin, Maviel, Syriac, Mavayel, which struggle to offer pronunciation of this constant string. As Hess notes, the Samaritan Pentateuch avoids the issue by omitting the disputed syllable, Mahayel. Hess goes further, arguing that, quote, the fact that the Hebrew text was not harmonized attests to the care taken in preserving such differences, even when they exist side by side, end of quote. Though we do not accept extant evidence is sufficient to admit Townsend's proposal that the Book of Moses variants Mahuja and Mahaija are due either to an English transcription error or to Joseph Smith's use of Clark's table, a confusion of I or and U in the names Mahaija and Mahuja is possible, being exactly the same kind of graphical error that one would expect if the similarly written letters Vav and Yod, or their equivalents in another language, were to have been mistranscribed by an ancient author at some point in time. As an interesting alternative to this surmise, Casuto argues that such variations, whether in form or content, are often deliberate. For all the reasons listed above, we find that the U and I in the names Mahuja and Mahaija do not reliably indicate that the names are of a different origin than the name Mahawe. Lack of an L termination in Mahuja and Mahawe we previously noted that Townsend's arguments that Mahuja and Mahawe were copied from the Bible and then altered contain no 
a particular explanation besides perhaps coincidence, the fact that neither one of the similar names contains the theophoric ending L. In this respect, the fact that both names lack the L is that is present in both variants of the Genesis 4.18 name makes their English versions more similar to each other than to the biblical names. Though the JST contains inconsistencies in name spelling, such as the ones we discussed earlier, most often a difference in the spelling of the vowel sounds, we have found no instances in the JST manuscripts where something as obvious as an L termination was dropped. Missing A after the Y in Mahoe. As Kasudo mentions, the form Mahui with a terminating Y similar to the Book of Giants names Mahoe, whose vowels would have been no less accurate rendered in the form Mahui, and the form Mahuya used in the biblical Mahuyael, presumably similar in our view to the ancient form Mahuya, behind the English name Mahuja in the Book of Moses, see the discussion of the terminating H in the point immediately below. Differ only in the latter form has retained the A, quote, as a fossilized relic of the accusative termination, end of quote. Apart from the fossilized relic at the end, the forms of the Book of Moses and Book of Giants names are identical to each other and to the primary name elements in Genesis 4.18. H at the end of the English spellings of Mahuja and Mahaja. The Book of Moses names terminate with an H in their English spellings. This makes them different from both the names in Genesis 4.18 and in the Book of Giants. That said, it's impossible to know from the manuscript evidence alone whether the J-A-H, Yah, termination of the Book of Moses names was meant to stand for the name of the God of Israel, or if the H on the end of the English version of the names is present for some other reason. For example, given the prevalence of Yah terminations in Old Testament names, such as Elijah, it would not be surprising that an English-speaking scribe who heard the JST Genesis name pronounced during the dictation process would have written the name with an H at the end to make the spelling conform to this common naming convention. Of the six comparative elements in Table 2, five, one, two, three, five, and 6, indicate that Mahuja and Mahaja are as similar to Mahaway as they are to Mahujael. One element, 4, indicates that Mahuja and Mahaja resemble Mahaway more than they do Mahujael. We conclude that, based on orthographic features alone, the names Mahuja and Mahaja are slightly more similar to Mahaway than to Muhujael. Thus, any argument that Mahuja and Mahaja are more similar to the Bible names based on surface features and the most common English versions of the names Mahuja and Mahaway is mistaken. Significance of the resemblances between the Book of Moses and the Book of Giants. The similarities between the names Mahaja, Mahuja, and Mahaway are not trivial details, but rather significant markers in scholarly efforts to identify the relationships among the Book of Giants, the Book of Moses, and the rest of the extant Enoch literature. For instance, non-lettered saint scholar Salvatore Cirillo, describing drawing upon the similar conclusions of the Book of Giants expert Lawrence Tuchenbrook, considers the names of Enoch's adversaries, notably including Mahaway, as, quote, the most conspicuously independent content in the Book of Giants being, quote, unparalleled in other Jewish literature, end of quote. <clears throat> Moreover, according to Srio, the name Mahaway in the Book of Giants and the names Mahuja and Mahaja in the Book of Moses represent the strongest similarity between the Latter-day Saint scriptures on Enoch and the pseudepigraphal books of Enoch, specifically the Book of Giants, end of quote. Although we have no evidence that Enoch scholar Joseph Milek 
Melik was aware of the Book of Moses chapters that contain the names Mahuja and Mahija. We have separate accounts from Hugh Nibley and Gordon Thomason that Matthew Black, Millick's collaborator on the first English translation of the Book of Giants, someone who certainly knew enough about ancient Hebrew and Aramaic to make an expert judgment about any notable resemblances to other sources in that text, was impressed enough with the correspondence between the names in the Book of Moses Enoch account and the prominent and unique appearance of the similar name in the Book of Giants that he made a previously unplanned trip to Brigham Young University to learn more. According to Thomason, Professor Black, quote, acknowledged that the name Mahuja could not have come from First Enoch. He then formulated a hypothesis consistent with his lecture that a member of one of the esoteric groups he had described previously, namely clandestine groups who had maintained sub rosa, a religious tradition based in the writings of Enoch that predated Genesis, must have survived into the 19th century and, hearing of Joseph Smith, must have brought the group's Enoch text to New York from Italy for the prophet to translate and publish. During the intervening years, no documentary evidence has surfaced that bears out Black's unsupported hypothesis that Joseph Smith somehow obtained access to an Enoch manuscript like the Book of Giants from an esoteric religious group in Europe. On the other hand, during the same span of time, much additional evidence has come forth linking Joseph Smith's translation of the Book of Moses' Enoch account to a variety of relevant ancient textual traditions, including several from the Book of Giants. The Mahija-Mahuja parallel is just one of many ancient connections for which there is no completely satisfying historical explanation. In our view, the idea that the correspondences have come from coincidence or through borrowing and alteration is unconvincing. Instead, we are persuaded that they are due to common traditions that predate both texts, as Matthew Black apparently felt compelled to believe. Although the combined fragments of the Book of Giants scarcely fill three pages in the English translation of Garcia Martinez, we find in it the most extensive series of significant parallels between a single ancient text and Joseph Smith's account of Enoch's preaching mission and subsequent battles with his enemies. These resemblances range from general themes in the storyline to specific occurrences of rare expressions in corresponding contexts. Some of these correspondences are summarized in Table 3. Summing up our views. In this article, we've considered Townsend's arguments that the author of the Book of Giants and Joseph Smith created remarkably similar names for an important character in their respective Enoch accounts. One might well ask, what are the chances that they would have come up with these closely resembling names independently? Even if for a moment we were to grant the hypothesis that Joseph Smith created the name Mahuja directly or indirectly through his knowledge of Genesis 4.18, why did he pick this name for his account instead of some other? If we're an arbitrary choice, why did he not pick Irad or Methusael or some more prominent Lamech or the more prominent Lamech from the same verse or some other name from the surrounding verses instead? Why is Mahuja the only named character in the Enoch chapters of the Book of Moses apart from Enoch himself and also the only other plausibly biblically related name besides Enoch in the Book of Giants as well? Going further, one of the most important parallels in the Book of Giants and the Book of Moses names is that in contrast to the biblical name, they both lack the theophoric element El. If Joseph Smith derived the names Mahuja and Mahija by adapting them from Genesis 4.18, why wouldn't he, for the sake of consistency, have dropped the L in his translation of the Bible verse itself? And if instead he were deliberately trying to create a new and distinctive name with the theophoric ending Yah, what sufficiently important purpose would that have served for him to have gone to that trouble? 
more importantly, since the author of the Book of Giants was apparently not completely bound to the written tradition and had the liberty to include the names unattested elsewhere, such as Oya and Haya to facilitate wordplay, as some have suggested, why wouldn't he have invented a name that was more similar to the other two instead of the more distinctive name Mahaway? And why would Joseph Smith, who has sometimes drawn criticism for the many new names that have been included in his scripture translations, have been averse to making up just one more? Instead, both authors are, without a viable explanation for motive, putatively seen as creating a name that is coincidentally very similar to one found in the same Bible verse, then using these modified names to serve as a moniker for a prominent character who just happens to function in an analogous role within two independent accounts of the prophet Enoch. After a review of the evidence, readers may understandably wonder, were the names Mahuja and Maheja merely borrowed and adapted from the Bible? Our analysis at the beginning of this article revealed that evidence for this conjecture is weak and unlikely. On the other hand, could Joseph Smith have been aware of the names through an unknown Aramaic manuscript of the Book of Giants that was translated into English and secretly made available to him for it before its discovery by scholars at Qumran in 1948? Were the names somehow transferred to Joseph Smith through an unknown esoteric group, as Professor Black proposed? Once again, purely historical explanations disappoint. Such proposals are based purely on speculation and can provide no answers about the identity of these putative collaborators, how they stumbled upon such a manuscript, why they secretly translated it into English and made it available to Joseph Smith, and how the prophet either hid this fraud from his associates or persuaded them to collude with him. As the chain of required conjectures grows, their cumulative likelihood diminishes. A more convincing conclusion in our view is that these names, along with other evidences of antiquity in the Book of Moses, Enoch account, were directly restored from the ancient world through the process of divine revelation. Conclusion We're grateful that Townsend's article has highlighted the importance of textual criticism, a key and often foundational aspect of Latter-day Saint scholarship that requires ongoing attention. Though our conclusions diverge from his in several respects, he has graciously helped us correct some of the errors in our initial analysis and in our interpretation of his views. That said, any remaining mistakes in our response to his article are of course ours. We hope that readers will avail themselves of the work of patient scholars who have made existing resources available to us and look forward to seeing additional resources for textual criticism in the future made available through the efforts of Townsend and others. This has been a recording of Where Did the Names Mahaway and Mahuja Come From? A response to Colby Townsend's Returning to the Sources, Part 2 of 2, by Jeffrey M. Bradshaw, Matthew L. Bowen, and Ryan Dolly, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Latter-day Saint Faith and Scholarship, Volume 40, 2020, read by Jeffrey M. Bradshaw. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles can be found at journal.interpreterfoundation.org. More information about the Interpreter Foundation, along with a wide array of additional resources, can be found at interpreterfoundation.org.